Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Napa know-how. Keeping it simple is usually a good thing. And when it comes to rewards programs, keeping it simple is always a good thing. That's why we made the Napa Rewards program effortless. All you need is your phone number to start saving on the parts and tools you need. Then we automatically give you $5 off your next purchase for every 100 you spend. So start saving today with Napa Rewards. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Blog Talk Radio. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is Tuesday, May 23rd, 2017. And if you are listening to this on tape delay, quite okay. Just fill in that date with whatever date you're listening on. Mute it. Do whatever you have to do. Put the right date in there. And I'm MC Money, and I have no idea what I'm talking about to start off the show. So we are in really good shape for tonight. As and usual. I'm joined, I'm joined yeah, as usual, <laughs> by uh, Lord Certain, the soccer dad, and Houtstradamus. AKA Joshua, AKA House MD, AKA the kid that uh, thinks he knows what he's talking about, but he's really not a guru at anything. So we're just going to get the right here. And the show is, this show is uh, 20 seconds in, and we are already off the rails. So we are on a, a good, um, you know, a good path to the end oh, of the we're, show. We're slaying it. We're slaying things. Tonight, There's no question about it. We are going. We are going. It is. It is the off season, but we are here to entertain you. We are here to talk to you, and we are here to help you through your problems. And if you have problems with your wife right now, or if you're a lady (laughs) have problems with your husband or your boyfriend, call in. We will help you. Doctor Phil. This could be. This could be pillow talk. You can request a song for us to play for you. You can request a poem that we will make up on the spot for you. Um, whatever you want, okay. Let's get let's get fun. Let's get creative. Let's get crazy, okay. I know when we say let's thank get you and MC Money. I, I appreciate I, MC Money. I appreciate your new creative stance towards things because last week you're a little you're a little harsh towards Houts for bringing out his singing voice, and I just wanted was, to acknowledge Houts and <laughs> how much he put he poured himself into that yeah. solo. And I, I really appreciate you putting yourself out there, Houts. And you know, we're gonna make we're gonna make Finsider Radio a more accepting place. We're yeah. gonna make Finsider Radio great again. Okay. Yeah, it's all I can ask for. It's always been great since we've been running the show, but before that, it wasn't so great. We're gonna make it great again. Um, but I'm in a good mood because you know why I'm in a good mood, guys, and you know why I'm in a celebratory mood because the NFL told us today that players will now be allowed to celebrate. More in the end zone. This means yes, they can yeah. this means yes, they can celebrate with the ball. Okay, they can celebrate with the with the ball, guys. Whether it's a deflated ball, an inflated ball, a soggy ball, a wet ball, um, anything, <laughs> any kind of ball that you can think of. So you're the ball guru. He's the ball guru, He's the ball guru right, son? <laughs> I am the ball guru. And, and get this. You know, get this. I'm they sorry. can even fall on the ground and celebrate on the ground. But that's a, like that confirmed. Like, though. do a snow angel. <laughs> they they can do a snow angel while holding their ball. They can no absolutely way. celebrate like that. Yeah, that's no, he got, he got so that. Yeah, so that new 
that news dropped today. And, but if it's an excessive celebration, they will throw the yellow flag. And we don't want yellow flags to be thrown during excessive celebrations. So that's how we're going to run Finsider Radio tonight. If you excessively celebrate, I'm putting you on mute. If you want to call it around the horn and I put you on mute at this point, that's going to happen. So how Stradamus, if you start singing, if you go beyond five seconds, you're going to be This is some dictator shit going on. This is uh, – all right. I respect what you're doing. I, I, th- <laughs> I think he was threatened by your voice. It was like out of a Disney movie or something. Like your voice came out and was like, oh, my God, he could steal this show. Every and time he I just can't, he, he, he can't let you sing again or you're just or you're going to put him out, out of business. So how, right, I, 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 feel, I, I feel for you, man. I feel for you. Yeah. Um, oh, every geez. time I sing personally, my I think I have an amazing voice, but my wife tells me I suck. Oh, I, I would love Swift? to call for American Idol or The Voice or America's Got Talent. But every time I try to do something, my, my wife just puts me down. So yeah, that's no, my Nobody doctor. wants that. That's if, if my your wife is, If your wife doesn't like it, then you you probably shouldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I still do it anyways while she's sleeping while I'm in the shower. So, okay. so let me ask. If we're doing this whole Dr. Phil thing, what if someone actually calls in with their problems and just like starts breaking down on the air like, are you are you ready for that? Listen, We're obligated. I, listen, I majored. <laughs> I majored in psychology. Okay, not majored. I'm sorry. I minored in psychology. They know more. So I, I'm ready. Oh, I, I am ready to go. If you have a problem, call in. We will walk you through it. We will solve your problems, and you will go to bed a happy person person tonight. Okay. Oh, Where were we? OTA started today. How about that? Football is back, kind of. Okay, we heard from Indomitian Sue. We heard from German Bushrod. And we heard also from Jay Ajayi today. No, we heard from Lauren Simmons, right? We heard from Jay Ajayi in the locker room. He talked to the reporters a little bit. Um, I'm sorry, we did hear from Jay Ajayi formally to the media as well. I knew I was right there. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But we were going to talk last week um, – how Stradamus and, and, and the creepy soccer dad, we were going to talk about the wide receiver core last year, last week. And we never got to it because we were having a great time talking about other things. And it was lit AF in the live thread and lit AF on the phone lines and lit AF on Twitter. And, and it was lit AF in our, in our Finsider radio live chat right now that us three are talking in, in the studio. So, but let's talk about the wide receiver core. Okay. Because I know there's a lot of questions about it. When you have Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, and Jarvis Landry as your top three. Now, and then on the bottom three, you have Leontay Carew, Jakeem Grant, and Isaiah Ford. Now, some people would argue that Kenny Stills could be a number one on another team. Some people will argue that Jarvis Landry could be a number two on another team. I don't think anyone really can make a sound argument that Jarvis Landry would be a good number one on another team, but he is the best slot receiver in the NFL. Julian Edelman, as much as I hate to say, is right behind him. Maybe they're neck to neck here. But Kenny Stills it was the one who intrigues me the most. Because I don't think that anybody, not Adam Gase, not even Kenny Stills himself, thought that he was going to have the kind of year that he had last season. And I think that's what happens when they drafted Leontay Carew, right? They said, listen, we don't right. know what Kenny Stills is. When the Dolphins traded up to the 86th pick in the third round to select Carew, giving up the sixth-round pick that year as well as the third and fourth this year, I really think, yes, A, that was Jarvis insurance if he got crazy expensive, but a deal will be worked out before the season starts. At least that's what I'm told. But I think also Kenny Stills insurance. Yes, Leontay is not that fast guy over the top, but you can get speed at different places. But I just want to get your thoughts on the stills, you know, factor. And he has been a tremendous leader off the field, in the locker room, despite all the protesting that he did with the national anthem. He was able to separate that from what was going on on the football field and his personal life and and came ready to play football. Although he was a very easy target against the Seahawks when he dropped that easy touchdown pass. And yes, the Dolphins, would have won that game uh, 99% more than likely. And then they would have played uh, the Texans in the first round of the playoffs. But that's revisionist history. We won't go there. The point is, 
when the Dolphins traded for Stills from the Saints, the Saints got rid of him because they said he was a distraction in the locker room. And so much has changed since then. And he has a new contract that took less to see in Miami because of the culture here in Miami and the way he thrived in Adam Gates' offense. So this is a very broad discussion right now. Let's narrow it down to Kenny Stills is here to stay for a while, right? Jarvis Landry is going to be here to stay for a while. The question marks are Devontae Parker and Leontae Carew. Jakeem Grant better prove himself, and Isaiah Ford, as much of a steal as he was, is more than likely going to be a practice squad guy year one, unless he just turns heads in camp. So I'm going to start with you, House. Um, your thoughts on, A, Leontae Carew, B, Devontae Parker. I know this is very broad, but I really don't know how to narrow this down and see the impact that Kenny Stills has made. And then, so, and I want to hear your input on it as well. All right. Well, first you're expecting a lot on me to remember all this, but uh, we'll start with Leontae Carew. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, anybody that follows me on Twitter, I was pretty uh, stoked when the Dolphins, well, after looking at the film on Carew after the draft, I mean, I don't think anybody expected the Dolphins to give up what they did to move up and select him. I don't think anyone saw a receiver as that big of a need. Like you said, no one expected Kenny Stills to do what he did. He just completely balled out, but that's a whole different story. But for me, Carew, I mean, I think he's, to me, he's a mix between Landry and Parker. He, he makes those plays downfield, and he's also that, that guy that can take a quick screen or a slant to the house. So, I mean, I like what Leontay Carew brings to the table, but, I mean, what it all comes down to is what you do in the NFL. And last season, I mean, I think he had a touchdown didn't really make an impact. And for what they gave up for him, you expect him to come in and make an impact. I know it's a crowded wide receiver room, but you just expect to see more out of crew. And I think this year is pretty much going to be make or break. I mean, I know that's crazy to say for a guy going into year two, but if he doesn't step up and show that he can separate himself from the Jakeem Grants, the Scots and the Isaiah Fords of the Dolphins, I just don't know if he's going to have a place on the team. Uh, then we go into Devontae Parker. I mean, that's another guy. He hasn't lived up to the potential has all the talent in the world. I know his work ethic was in question prior to this season and uh, Dolphins coaching staff and officials throughout the all season have said that he's taken the next step and ready to become that elite receiver that everyone expects him to be. But until he proves that he can be that player, until he can go out there day in and day out, uh, I know health is a little bit of a concern with him. So, I mean, Devontae Parker, I love the guy. I think he's a true number one wide receiver. I know you mentioned Jarvis Landry. Uh, what teams he might be number one receiver on. But I think Devontae Parker is that skill set to be that guy that can go deep downfield and just make plays, uh, body receivers, kind of like a Randy Moss. And uh, Let me just say he's not Randy Moss, but uh, he, he has the talent to be that deep threat. Just to touch on the last part, I mean, Kenny Stills, no one expected him to do what he did. Deep threat. Him and Ryan Tannehill created one hell of a repertoire last season. And I just think Kenny Stills, 25 years old, I think you mentioned his immaturity with the uh, the Saints, but coming to Miami, they got a hell of a player, and I think Kenny Stills might ultimately become that number two if Devontae Parker doesn't really fill that hole going forward. Now, but before yeah. you talk, Sutton, hold on, before you yeah. talk, Sutton, we're going to touch on DVP sure. in a little bit, but Sutton, I also want you to tie in to what you're going to say. What if DVP does not become that number one and the Dolphins move on from him after next year? Well, I mean, it's it's a good, uh, valid question just because when you talk about drafting Leontay Carew, you look at it as insurance policy for Kenny Stills in the event that he didn't have the year that he did last year. But then you look at Devontae Parker might not uh, flourish the way that we want to, and we haven't really seen him do that. We saw it the last half of his rookie year. We really saw him um, – take a step statistically and both uh, in the playmaking category too. And we just didn't see it quite the same that we uh, expected last year. So with Carew especially, it's very tricky just because, yes, the draft capital that we invested in him, uh, we, we only saw him really early in the year last year, just when Devontae Parker was out with his hamstring injury. We saw Leontay Carew come in, and he had a couple catches against Richard Sherman, which is no um, slouch of a performance for a rookie going against arguably one of the best uh, cornerbacks in the NFL. So 
he does have a little bit on tape, but he just didn't get very many snaps last year. So it's really hard to see uh, where he projects going forward. And it's a little bit confusing for him just because uh, we invested so much and we saw so little last year. So it's, it's, it's hard to know what we have in him. I think the real uh, volatile person in this whole group is Jakeem Grant just because, you know, he didn't show that much as a wide receiver last year, and he had his struggles holding on to the football, returning kicks. So that has to be his focus this year is getting the special teams under control. So uh, while he's focusing on special teams, there's going to be some opportunities for Isaiah Ford to sneak in and be in that wide receiver number four. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that competition shakes out. But Parker's really the ultimate hedge factor in this whole wide receiver group, I think, is bred on its variety and what everybody can do together. And Landry working in the slot, you have someone like Stills working on a boundary, you have someone like Parker on the top of his game working on the boundary. That's a really scary lineup right there. And then you have – Ford, Carew, and Grant as kind of chess pieces, so to speak. Then you have guys like Kenyon Drake who comes in and plays that, you know, backup running back, slot wide receiver type role. So there's a lot of pieces for Gay, so it's really just going to depend on who performs. Are you there? Yeah. Sounded like you cut off a little bit, but I, I guess you're finished with yeah, that. No, yeah, no. Just, it, yeah, it's really just going to depend on who who performs in training camp. It's, um, it's, it's a true competition this year. This is, you know, no one's job safe unless you're doing what you're supposed to do. So it, that was really good analysis from the both of you. It, the, the whole wide receiver situation, the bottom half is so, so cluttered. We know – DVP is going to open up as the number one, right? Regardless of what anyone says, regardless of the hype that's currently around, doesn't manifest in preseason, he's still going to get the chance to go out there and prove himself in the regular season. We've seen the amazing catches he's made. We've seen the impact that he can make on a game. We've seen the chemistry between Tannehill. Can that be consistent? Adam Gase said last year that he had a guy in Denver named Demarius Thomas who was much like Devontae Parker in his early years, always seemed to be hurt, didn't know how to be a professional, didn't know how to take care of his body, and then he turned it around. Could we be yep. seeing that with DVP? Possibly. Time will tell. But all the signs right now seem to be pointing in that direction. We know Kenny Stills is going to run out there as the two. We know Landry's going to go in the slot and, and fill in the two as well, and Stills is going to rotate with Landry in the slot. But like I said, that bottom half, man, it's so, so cluttered right now. I don't think Jakeem Grant really is in play to take any snaps from these guys. I think he's more of a special teams guy, and he's either going to make it or break it there. And if he doesn't make it, he's going to be cut. But I I, I, I don't know. It's, it's tough with Leontay because where does he fit in? And if they had just wasted one draft pick on him, right, let's say they waited until they're picking a third round it wouldn't be such a huge deal. But the fact that they gave up a six-rounder last year, swapped thirds last year, and then gave up their third and fourth this year in a very deep draft, that just confuses everything and everyone. And it sucks because – but then again, no one knew still have the year he had last year. So, right. I don't know. It's, all, it's almost a catch-22. You know, you almost wish that the Dolphins were not so aggressive last year. They targeted players. Part of that, in my opinion, is because they only had, if you look at it, really like two months to really get ready for the draft, right, with a new coach and new GM and trying to get all that processes in place. So I think that had something to do with it. They only were able to really study a handful of players. And when I say handful, I mean like 50 to 75 perhaps, because in a regular draft, they'll tar- they'll study – over 100 or over 150. But I think that's why they targeted them. And we saw this, they actually traded down a little bit and traded up when they needed to. 
So I think that that was helpful with the full offseason under their belts. But this is what we have. This is what the Dolphins have. They're going to have to figure out what's going to work. And it's up to Adam Gase and the offensive coaching staff to really figure that out. I don't know if you guys have any other final thoughts on it. I know we didn't really solve much, although it's not in our power to solve much. But we may have made the situation more confusing for our listeners. <laughs> no, and that's that's okay just because this is our most talented group. I mean, this is where a lot of stuff can happen. So this is the one position group we need to sift through pretty early to figure out what's going to be the best way to make plays going forward because we have a lot to choose from. That's a It's a good problem for us to have. Yeah, yeah. and I, I remember, and I'm sure you guys do too, a couple of years back, I mean, we had Brian Hartline, Devon Best, we had some, some pretty <laughs> like a do not pretty average wide, yeah, some pretty <laughs> I, I want to say shitty wide receivers, and we just couldn't catch a break. And now we just have this loaded group with with all these guys that have either produced at the next level or are on the brink of becoming, like we said, maybe possibly elite wide receivers. I mean, it's it's an awesome problem to have. Uh, I think one last thing with Leonte Carew, I know we've touched on it before, but I think if I'm not mistaken, that was one of the highest rated players on the Dolphins draft board at the time. I mean, I think they might have even had him as one of their highest wide receivers in that draft. So, I mean, that's the only thing I can think of is as to why they, they gave up all that draft revenue to to move up and get him. And like we have said, no one expected Kenny Stills to be what he became. All right. Let's, before we move on to our next subject, we have a caller on hold. Welcome to Finsider Radio. Who are you and what can we help you with? This is Dolphin Fan for Life. First off, what's up, buddy? Krista. Krista. Much. Um, I wanted to touch on a little bit um, with, the, with the topic that you all are discussing as far as, like, the the whole Carew thing and the Devontae Parker and kind of clarify some things. Um, clarify. A, lot, a lot's been made of the trades that we made to acquire Leonte Carew. But what people are forgetting first off is that it was actually a two-part trade and that also factored into us acquiring Jakeem Grant as well. So, I mean, when you pick apart the picks, it looks horrible, especially when you put it on one player. But at the same time, you just kind of can't really pick them apart to put them on one player because it required multiple players in the deal. Um, They actually revisited and got the pick back that they wanted to acquire, and that's why the changes were made as far as draft capital is concerned. Um, Regarding his role in the offense, I think he fits better with what Miami tries to do than even Parker you got to look outside the numbers and see that in our offense, there really isn't supposed to be a one, two, three, four, five, six. And even at an, right. as an X, Y, Z, you know, there's, there's not really a position offensive scheme for any particular player. Most, one of the most successful being, you know, with either Green Bay or, you know, San Francisco, they move their players around. So each one has to cross it. You look at um, Parker as an outside receiver, and you say, okay, he could be that star outside receiver if he lives up to his potential, and that's okay, but it kind of leaves them either on one side of the field or the other with guys like Carew and Ford and even Grant, you can move them around. You can do like they did in, uh, with the Raiders and stick that speedy receiver in the slot, you know, with Grant, you know, move Landry to the outside. So it produces mismatches. With Parker, you can't really do that, especially considering how his route running is affected. All right, you know, All right Christoph. So before I'm, before Houts answers your statement or your question and your lecture to us, 
Is it true? There's a rumor going around that you are the newest writer on the Finsider.com. Is that true? Yes. Absolutely fantastic, Christoph. Congratulations. Congratulations. We look forward <laughs> to your in-depth analysis on the website, and we hope that you write an article about this situation because your points were valid, but I do think Houts has some rebuttal towards it. Christoph, we're going to put you on mute, but feel free to interact again with us in the live thread or on Twitter or text us. Um, you can figure out our numbers, my area code, begins with 860. All right. Thank you, Christoph. <laughs> yeah. Track that All one. right. Go ahead, Howard. Uh, all right, yeah. Um, well, first, I, I know he mentioned Jakeem Grant as reason to not kind of bash that Leontay Carew trade. Um, neither of those players have done anything in the NFL. And like we were saying earlier, uh, Grant is really on the bubble if he doesn't show up in camp. I mean, he had trouble fielding punts and kicks last year. So I really don't know what he had to do with any of that. I don't know how that would make the trade any better. I mean, two guys that haven't done anything in the NFL isn't worth the draft capital we gave up at this point. So that certainly does not help that trade at all. And then I know he mentioned a little bit about not having a real number one, number two. I mean, you see what Adam Gase did in Denver. He had, uh, like we said, Demaryius Thomas. He went to Chicago. He had Alshon Jeffrey. So there's always been a number one wide receiver in his offense. Uh, I know he mentioned San Francisco as uh, a team to kind of look at as how to build an offense. That just didn't make sense to me because San Francisco is complete trash right now until uh, Kyle Shanahan gets there and turns things around. So for me, I mean, I understand what he's saying. We don't really need a number one wide receiver, but when you got a talent like Devontae Parker, a clear number one, a guy that can go up there and pretty much fall out over anyone that he's lined up against. And then you got a guy like Jarvis Landry in the slot can just work anyone. I mean, you have all these different weapons, and I just don't understand why you wouldn't want to have a guy like Devontae Parker or a guy like Kenny Stills who can play a slot and play on the outside and be that deep threat. And then you got Jarvis Landry who can pretty much do it all. I mean, uh, I just don't agree with that. I think Devontae Parker, there's a place for him in this offense. I think he's uh, above and beyond what Leontay Carew could ever be, and uh, I'm just going to leave it with that. I mean, do you guys have any anything you want to add to that? I mean, the only thing that I want to add is the one thing that we haven't talked about is the fact that someone might, God forbid, get injured this yeah. year. And, we, you know, we, we had that with Devontae earlier in the year, but really after that we were pretty spoiled from the wide receiver standpoint. So um, if one of these guys happens to tweak a hammy and is out for half a year or, you know, it's, it's going to be nice to have really quality depth we may not appreciate it at this point in time, but it may come it may come very much in handy down the road. All right. Christoph, thank you for calling. We're going to let you go now. Uh, good points. Good points by both you and Houts. And, and we enjoy this, this nice discussion that we have here on, on the air. And we are able – not, we're not like Mike and Mike, guys. We don't hate each other off the air. If you've not been following that story, Mike and Mike in the morning, uh, they are going through some tough times. And that's a whole other discussion for a different day. You can read about it from SI. But, yeah, uh, interesting stuff over there at ESPN going on. Um, Does yeah. anybody like them? Like, do people actually enjoy listening to their show? I mean, I've never had, but I just I, – I don't know. To me, they were always just clowns. Am I yeah, wrong? They are I do listen to it sometimes on the way to work during okay. football season when the Dolphins win, but not not all the time. One one of them's a Jets fan, right? Because I think that might be why. Just to spot. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay. It's unfortunate. Okay. All right. Let's go to the Finsider.com live thread. Right. So, and what do we have going on in there? Well, hey, I figured the the very first question we should address is from Boss Man. Uh, Kevin Nogle. Absolutely. And what do we got from him? I mean, right? So his question is, Armando expressed how the Dolphins are way overpaying for Dominican Sue based on his having the 16th highest salary cap number this year, but being mm-hmm. ranked the 55th overall player in the top 100 list. What are okay. your thoughts on Sue? You want to take that one? I mean, I'll take it. I figured I'd throw it to one of you guys first, and then I could do sloppy seconds. I don't care. What do you, what do you want to do, Matthew? I'll take it. I'll take it. 
Okay. For Armando, I respect Armando and I like Armando's work 98% of the time. But to use the basis as a top 100 list by the players is completely foolish. In my <laughs> and I know that's a very strong word, but it is. Why are you going to make contract off a top 100 list voted on by the players who might not necessarily know the scheme the Dolphins were trying to put into effect at the time he was signed, who don't know the inner workings of the Dolphins team? Now, we talked about this on the air, and I've talked about this on Twitter. Would Adam Gase have signed the Dominican Soup? I would say no. He's here, right? And this is the contract the Dolphins have. Is he overpaid? Some people say yes because they don't see him getting sacks. But when I look at that tape and I analyze several games, every single snap that he took part in, which is almost all of them every single game, he was double teamed 99% of the time. And he was triple teamed 0.5% of the time. And on the rare occasion, he was single teamed one blocker. He got through that blocker. His job is not to get to the quarterback. His job is to eat up the blockers in the middle, two of them, so the linebackers can do their job. Now, it's not his fault the Dolphins do not have any good linebackers during his time here thus far. With the exception of Kiko Alonso, who did pretty well against the run last year, he did have some mishaps here and there. Hopefully this turns Timmons in the mix. And then Raekwon McMillan as well. The linebackers will be much improved with an Indomitian Sue in front of him. It doesn't help Indomitian Sue as also that he has Jordan Phillips, who is inconsistent next to him, an undersized defensive tackle and Earl Mitchell next to him. And then after that, nobody. It also didn't help him that he had a Cameron Wake who wasn't being utilized properly the first half of last season, who wasn't full strength the years before. It doesn't help him that Olivier Vernon didn't really come into his own and become a monster in his contract year. It didn't help him that Mario Williams was a colossal bust during his time in Miami. And am I making excuses? I mean, anything you say to defend the guy is an excuse, right? But I've seen the dude play. I think he is an absolute monster. He brings an attitude to the defense that wasn't there previously. And again, to compare his contract and make a – basis and a foundational statement on his contract based on a top 100 list is insane. Now, if you want to co- cover up those sloppy seconds, Sutton, go for it. <laughs> uh, wow. Thank you so much for leaving me so much to work with, but um, <laughs> man, it really seems like <clears throat> what, Fans always get caught up in salary contract disputes and and how much they get afforded the cap and stuff. And we know each and every year that teams leave enough wiggle room to sign anybody they want and release anybody they want. There's escape contracts with every person and every contract in the NFL. And – it's just a little bit of an overblown concept, but um, with Sue in particular, I mean, and another thing that happens is that we end up comparing contracts this year that signed this year, say for example, and we compare them to contracts that were signed three years ago. And we think that that's an accurate projection of what that, the value of that contract is worth. And it's all relative to how caps increase every single year. So when Domkin Sue was signed as the highest paid defensive player in in NFL history, that was such a huge storyline. So you know, it was had such magnitude. And now you're looking at the 16th highest paid NFL player right now. So, I mean, what exactly did that contract back then mean? So we just need to kind of get over the whole contract thing. I think that's something we get way too caught up in and that's what the business people figure out. And we just need to get good players on our team. We need to stop worrying about um, nickel and dime in these players. Like seriously, Dominican Sue, you sign him, 
if you had to pay a million more dollars for him, is that really that big of a deal? Because no. the contracts the contracts that piss me off are like the Mario Williams from last year who do nothing and and get paid seven, eight million dollars. Those are the contracts right. that suck. It's not the players that might be ranked, you know, ten spots higher than you have them ranked, so you have to pay them X amount of dollars a little bit more. We're talking we're talking players that just bring absolute zero production and just eat into your salary cap. Those are the contracts that suck. Not Andomican Sues. Man, Kevin got us fired up about this. House, do you want to right? You want to come I'm just gonna say, I was just going to say I agree with both of you. That way, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. You guys <laughs> did well. <laughs> I have no problem with the contract. And, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with people just looking at stats. You don't see those sacks. So, people just assume he's not living up to his potential. But, like you said, Armando basing that off of a top 100 list that overall is bullshit. I mean, that's just – it just doesn't make sense. Clickbait. That's what I think Thanks, it is. Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. Now we're fired up. All right, House, do we have anything else in a live thread? Uh, no, we do not. Okay, a lot of talking. Not and, uh, no, sir. A lot, a, lot of, a lot of talking. Okay, let's go to Twitter, and our boy Rob Carruth asks us mm. a question about undrafted free agents. He wants to know, name an undrafted free agent that will make the roster who has the best chance. So I think that was just all part of the question. Um for the, for the Dolphins and in terms of who he thinks or who we think has the best chance to make the NFL 53-man roster, which, by the way, the NFL cutoff um, made a new rule today that says there is no two cutoff dates. There is just one. It goes from 90 all the way down to 53. Uh, so oh, that's, Miami Dolphins that's, are going to, that's going to be very interesting to see how that works out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the Dolphins, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no. I was just saying it's an interesting development just because we're used to seeing maybe like um, seven to 10 guys cut and then like 20 guys cut. So just to see everybody in a whole field swoop, it's going to be interesting how that all plays out. Because it's all brand new. All right. I'm going to um, just really quickly read off the undrafted free agents that the Dolphins uh, signed as of April 29th. Chase Allen, linebacker, Matt Hack, punter, Larry Hope, cornerback, Malcolm Lewis, wide receiver, Cameron Malvo, defensive end, praise Martin O'Quigley, defensive end, Tory McTire, defensive back, Drew Morgan, wide receiver, Francis Awusu, wide receiver, Joby St. Floor, defensive end, Devon Smith running back, Eric Smith offensive tackle, Maurice Smith defensive back, and Demoria Stringfellow wide receiver. So I will take this one, guys, because I had the uh, consensus draft board going, which we all talked about quite extensively uh, throughout the draft process and here on Finsider Radio as we wrap up everything as well. And there are quite a few, uh, if you really look at it and, and look at the breakdown of this list, I mean, you notice that there are quite a few defensive backs. There are many wide receivers, and you could, I guess, I don't, I don't know, maybe they're just trying to get some guys some breaks or what, but there are plenty of wide receivers on there trying to fill up the practice squad. I don't know. We have a few um, defensive ends as well, and also some offensive linemen. So Matt Hack, the punter, I, I don't think he has any chance of making the team. I think he's more of a camp leg to give guys a work and to give Matt Dar a break there. Matt Dar is a phenomenal, phenomenal player. And I think he's going to be around for the Dolphins to stay uh, for quite some while. But I think if you had to really look at it, you know, you look at the linebacker core and you still got Koa Misi there. Some people thought the Dolphins would move on from him. But I, I would have to say Cameron Malvo, defensive end from Houston. I, he was – looked at as someone who can possibly be drafted in the seventh round, perhaps. But obviously he wasn't a Dolphin sign but he's a guy who can, who can, uh, I won't say make some noise, but a raw guy, you know, someone who can, who can learn under 
the other defensive lineman, and I know there's other defensive linemen on this list as well, but, but for me, it's Malvo, and I think he has the best chance to make the, the 53-man roster. But then again, you know, listen, when you're an undrafted free agent and you're trying to make the 53-man, it's extremely hard. So for me to pick just one of these guys, none of them are probably going to make it being realistically, okay? They're going to be practice squad or cut. But if you have to put a gun to my head and say which one will make it, it would be Malvo. But please do not take that as any type of thing where he's going to make it. Because like I said, undrafted free agent, you're probably not making the 53. You're probably making the practice squad to kick things off. Okay. So that's my answer for you, Rob. That's, that's a tough question. It's a good question, but I think it's a, uh, it's a reach to say any undrafted free agent will make the 53 man roster, especially in year two of Adam Gase. Don't you guys agree? I mean, yeah, for the most part, wide receiver, I don't – we've already talked about the log jam there, so I don't see how an undrafted free agent's going to make a dent there. And then you said there's a lot of defensive ends, and I think that's a group that's really deep for us this year too. So my thought was Devion Smith, the guy from Michigan, the running back, I think he's the most likely to make the, the roster this year just because – I mean, Williams is a little bit back and forth. We don't know what the motivation is going to be there. And, um, you know, we have Kenyon Drake, and we really just have those three. And Devion Smith is um, insurance policy in case there's an injury there. And we know what happens with running backs in the NFL. So my money's there. Okay. I think the running back room is very crowded. You got J.H.I., you got Damien Williams. But, and we're talking about making it. We could be talking about practice squad, too, so we don't really know what, what Rob means you're by ta- You're talking about practice it. squad. Okay. If you're talking about practice squad, absolutely, I agree. If you're talking about 53-man roster, running back, you also had Kenyon Drake there. I don't think it's possible that he makes the 53. But like, like I said, any the free agent trying to make the 53 – Long shot, very much a long shot. Okay. Yep. Don't Air forget, Smith, they, also have, they also have Storm Johnson on the roster and center Reese Perry, and then Devon Smith as well. All right. We are 40 minutes into the show. We don't like to go over 45 in the offseason. Let's touch base real quickly on OTAs today. We'll get to the offensive line next week. But first day of OTAs, and Dominican Sue was in attendance, as he promised. Talked to the media today, said he was sick of not uh, advancing past the first round of the playoffs. He's 30 years old. He understands he's getting up there in age, but still feels that he has a ton left in the tank. He uh, is taking guys under his wing. He is teaching them the ropes, just as he did with Jordan Phillips. When Jordan Phillips was drafted, nothing new here for Dominican Sue. Lauren Simmons joked about him vomiting and uh, – that it is what it is. He's moving on. He did cramp up today in the heat. It will take Lawrence Simmons some time to get used to that. And J.H.I. really focused on in his interview talking about the need to become a complete running back. What running back without the football? And he said that was the focus in the room over the past few weeks and in OTAs today to kick things off is what the running backs need to do when they don't have the football. That means blocking. That means, you know, picking up protections that, yeah. and everything else, the mental part of the game. So we'll see how that, you know, plays out in, in training camp and into preseason and if J.H.I.E. can improve. Because if J.H.I.E. can master the blocking and the protections and catching the ball out of the backfield, he can be the best running back in the NFL for the next several years. And we know how short of a lifespan running backs have in the NFL. We see Jamal Charles, right, on the top of the NFL for two to three years, and now he's on the Denver Broncos. Who would have ever thought, right? Adrian Peterson on the New Orleans Saints right now was on the top of the NFL for a few years. So we know that the uh, reign on top as a running back is not very long, but I think J.H.I., if he becomes that complete running back, and I want to hear your thoughts before we wrap up the show on that, um, I think he can be at the top of the NFL, top three running backs in the NFL for the next two to three years. What do you think about that, son? Can you say that again? <laughs> I, was, I was saying, uh, now that you've woken up, and, and and listening to me now, 
I was saying yeah, all that my kids, all my kids are asleep, so I'm like, apparently, that must be like a. Apparently, you are too. Um, so I was saying, <laughs> if James Guy was was talking about the focus on the running backs in the classroom over the past few weeks and today in OTAs was how to become a complete running back, and that means what you're doing without the football. I said Jai can be on the top of the NFL running back list for the next two to three years if he learns how to do all those things without the football. I was asking you if you agreed or not, and your thoughts on that. Oh, uh, uh, oh, that's there's no no question. That's uh, absolute truth because he showed in terms of running the ball. There's not much he cannot do in the NFL. He can break tackles. He can run past defenders. I mean, he um, was elusive. I mean, he he did everything you could possibly ask for in terms of running the football. What, what, what we saw was lacking is pass blocking and pass catching. So if he can enhance those abilities, he is going to be one of the few workhorse running backs in the entire NFL. The only one thing that I caution us fans, because I, I feel like we're putting more and more eggs in a Jai's basket and expecting more and more and seeing his highlights from last year and everything, like this guy could possibly get injured. So we just need to make sure um, that we're okay with the depth that we have behind him. And I hope everybody is okay with that. Um, but everybody saw what Ajayi could do last year, and he can be a top three running back in this in this league, and hopefully we can see that all year long. All right, Joshua, I know that you love Jay Ajayi, and you are a huge him. fan of him. I think he even got his jersey. So, so what do it. you think? I, I would say probably no surprise for you, right? Yeah, I mean, I think what it all comes down to is his – how well he can become as a pass catching threat out of the backfield. I mean, I think that was one of the things he could definitely improve on. I know today, I think he mentioned his route running and like you said, just overall becoming a better blocker for Tannehill and the rest of the offense. So for me, I think he can absolutely take that next step. I think he already is probably top five running back in the league. I know that's crazy to say after one year, but just the way he runs with the football in his hand. I mean, he looks like a, a young Marshawn Lynch, and if he can just get better as a receiving threat, I think J.H.I. has every bit of a chance to be a top three running back in the league. Uh, for me, it just comes down to durability. I know that bone-on-bone bone was a big concern coming out of college, and, I mean, he held up well last season, so let's just hope he continue to do so because as long as J.H.I. is in that offense, uh, the Dolphins have a real chance at success in 2017. All right. And that's going to, you know, really kind of wrap things up for us this week, leaving on that note in terms of what can J.H.I. become. We think, all three of us think he can become top three running back in the NFL for the next several years if he becomes that complete running back and if he excels in the things that he struggled with in terms of when not having the football. We know J.H.I. can run over guys. We know he can break tackles. We know he can make things out of nothing. We saw it all last year. He gets a consistent offensive line, which we'll talk about next week. He will he will be an absolute monster and it's going to be fun and exciting to watch this kid grow and how much better he can possibly become this year and moving forward. All right. So we talked about the wide receiver core. We didn't really clear up anything about that. We're going to see how that plays out. We talked about OTAs just a little bit, just touched on the important thing. And then of course, answering our faithful callers and those in the live thread and our boy Rob Carruth on Twitter. So we encourage your interaction as we move forward. Some days we get more interaction than others. Some days we don't. It is the offseason. We understand people are doing other things, like right now watching the Celtics beat the Cavaliers. Um, You know, it is what it is. And as we get closer to training camp, we do expect our listeners, all of our listeners, to come back, our fair weather listeners. And we will have a great time as usual. And we will continue to provide you with entertainment and uh, psychology help and Anything else that you may need from us here on Finsider Radio, we are your one-stop shopping for all of your problems, whether you want to talk football, (laughs) personal problems, anything that you want to talk about, we are here to listen. 
and react. Okay, so don't be shy to call in next week. We look forward to hearing from you. From you. For House MD and Sutton, the creepy soccer dad, I am MC Money. We thank you for joining us here on Pinkside Radio, and we'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Right now, Napa Legend batteries come with a $15 rebate by mail. Their long-lasting durability stands up to extreme conditions. So even on scorching days, it'll puff its chest out and be all like, hey, summer heat, find another car battery to drain. Napa Legend batteries with $15 mail-in rebate. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores. Offer expires 831-18. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical. Support for Pivot comes from Polestar. At Polestar, every inch of every vehicle they design is thoughtfully made. They're made to transform auto performance, accelerating from 0 to 60 in less than 4.2 seconds with fully electric all-wheel drive. They're made to elevate the driving experience with LED headlights and a panoramic glass roof. And they're made to uphold a greater responsibility to the planet using sustainable materials and energy-saving systems. The result is a car that combines the best of today with the technology of tomorrow. Pure performance. Pure design. Polestar. Design yours and book a test drive today at polestar.com.